When I look at kids, and, hey man, you a king, homie. You rich. You gon' be, and they, you, you a king. What you mean? Yo, it's in you. What you wanna be? What I wanna be is good. Now you know it. Now you gotta go get it. Now you gotta work on it. You gotta practice on it. Don't nothing happen overnight. This didn't happen for me overnight. I didn't fill out an application and the next day I was Rick Ross. No, this is something that took me over close to 15 years just to get to this point. ESPNW presents Be Honest with Carrie Champion. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Be Honest. Uh, it's been, what, a full week and a half and so much drama has went down with the Los Angeles Lakers. There is this attempted coup. Um that's crazy. Jeannie's brothers are trying to take over in a low-key way that wasn't so low-key. The story broke over the weekend, and I'm telling you, living in Los Angeles, fans just, we just can't get over it. Um, pretty pathetic. The words, I think, pathetic, sad, disgusting, ashamed. These are all the adjectives that I can think of to describe the current situation with the Lakers. Um, on the podcast today, I'm just going to give my thoughts on it because uh, – being a diehard fan, living here, growing up with the Lakers, knowing what Laker Nation stands for, to watch its demise over the last few years has been um, nothing short of astonishing. Because if someone said this would be the situation, there wouldn't be this rebuild, there wouldn't be something positive to look for or toward, I would have said no. Blind belief as a fan. You know how fanatics can get. So we'll get into that and uh, I'll share some insight from folks who are very close to the organization who were very honest with me about what's next for Lakers in Laker Nation. But before I do that, he's a boss. Ricky Rose in house today. It's interesting. Every time I see him on television, I'm thinking, God, that beard sure is it's hot. Not hot in a good way, but hot. Like, aren't you hot? Um, He's a really intelligent dude. I, I think when people sit and talk to him, you you see the charm. You see the you see the reason why he's been so successful. Uh, you see his skill set. Um, when he first came on the scene, I think like most rappers, super hungry. I remember when and I, and I think of of him when I think of certain rappers like Snoop or Ice Cube, certain rappers that are able to transition to that next level. Uh, still kind of keep your street credibility, you know, but at the same time, invest in themselves, show another side of who they are, play the business well. And he's been able to do that very well, in particular with sports. He's been on a on a bunch of shows here at ESPN. I saw him on game day. That's that's huge. Uh, he was one of the guest pickers. And then, of course, he did the Bristol car wash today. And I think the first thing you want to talk about is obviously he has a new album coming out. But for me, when I see people like him, um, I have an affinity towards them because I know that he's a self-made man. Nowadays, I think with this generation, and I know I sound like somebody's mama, but everybody expects it. And that is the worst thing in the world to me. I can't stand what people expect something. You got to work hard for everything. Nothing is given to us. I expect this because I work so hard. Or I expect this because I, I did this, I did that. I hear it all the time uh, in my work environment from people who don't really know what it's like to struggle. People who have been handed things their entire life don't understand that privilege is such a weakness. And when I look at somebody like Rick Ross, I think, God, this, this dude has really come up. In the sense that, look, 
he grew up in Carroll City. He talked about how when he played football as a kid, it separated him from those who didn't make it. And I wanted to hear that story because there is such a connection. Sports is sometimes the only way out for so many young black men. And for him to be where he is right now as a boss and have that as an example of why he was able to separate himself from those who died or who got caught up in drugs or who went to jail really means a lot to me. I have this theory as I'm running my mouth. I have this theory. I recently hired an assistant. She grew up in D.C. And she had a tough life. And she works so hard. And I thought to myself, why is that in my mind? Here's my theory. People who weren't given anything, people who have had tough lives and they want more, fight harder than anybody you'll ever know. Sometimes it's just your work ethic. I didn't have a super tough life growing up. I didn't have a lot of things handed to me, but I knew that I didn't want to be like those around me, right? Same with Rick Ross. He knew he was he was meant for something different, and he had to work really, really hard. So on today's podcast, he talks about a little bit of everything. He's dropping knowledge about where he grew up, how sports changed his life, and how he is a boss. And he also shares on a lighter note which Super Bowl party was better because he, he, he cool with Bob Kraft and the Patriots. So he's like, I think 2017, he went harder than 2015. It's an interesting story. You'll appreciate it. You get to see a different side of Ricky Rose. Welcome to Be Honest. It's interesting because a lot of people will tell us about how sports and politics don't go hand in hand and how we should ignore and one should be, you know, separate from one another. What's your take on Colin Kaepernick and the fact that he decided to kneel and no longer is kneeling? You know, I respect Colin standing up for his purpose and, you know, speaking up for what he believed in. I can only imagine how many players um, may have had that same, you know, had those same ideas or thoughts and and just never moved on it. So we got to salute the big homie for, you know, making that conversation the conversation of the year. Uh, As far as him not kneeling anymore, I don't know as far as the details and the specifics of it, but I'm saluting him for making it the the conversation of the entire year last year and bringing that discussion up. And um, we'll see we'll see where it goes from there. Do you think that that professional athletes, people such as yourself, celebrities, do do you all have a, a responsibility to the community, to your organization, to to use your platform for for good or to highlight what's wrong in the community? You know, as far as the artist, I believe that's what you should discuss first and foremost. I feel like the art and the music is for the people and it should always, the people should always come first. And so whatever concerns the people the most, I think that should be what's um, discussed first and foremost. So when it comes to my music, where I'm from, I make sure I acknowledge, you know, you know, growing up without, but understanding being a king is already in you. Being a boss is in you. You got to go get it. Ain't nobody going to give it to you. A lot of times you got to explain that, to, you know, the, these youngsters, and, and that's what I try to do. Why do you have to explain it to them? How come they don't already know it? For some reason, they don't know. A lot of times they don't know. A lot of times you bless when you run across uh, youngsters. And when I tell them you're a king, I, I, you know, when I look at kids, and, hey, man, you're a king, homie. you rich. You're going to be and they, you, you're a king. What you mean? Yo, it's in you. What you want to be? What I want to be is good. Now you know it. Now you got to go get it. Now you got to work on it. You got to practice on it. Don't nothing happen overnight. 
This didn't happen for me overnight. I didn't fill out an application and the next day I was Rick Ross. No, this is something that took me over close to 15 years just to get to this point where I could put my music out and, you know, and, and just, uh, you know, the, that gaze in their eyes. A lot of times I realized they really needed that conversation. And, and, and a lot of times they feel better knowing what you're going through right now. Accept it. Accept it. But make sure you're progressing. Progress. Work towards your goal. I started out just like you. I was in the same spot. Now, you grew up in Carroll City. You talk about that. And in your music, you, you're very honest about what needs to happen in the community. Talk to me about Buy Back the Block, the remix, the remix especially. Well, the, the remix, uh, you know, the, the record Buy Back the Block, I felt I wanted to release that as the first record for this campaign, being my debt that I owe to the game, being the position that I feel I sit in on the mountaintop. You watch me. You you, you watch my lavish lifestyle. You watch how I live but you make sure you understand the business side to that. You want to own nice rings and nice cars. That's cool, too. But make sure the business side is handled. Let's buy back the block. It ain't about how much money you got. You ain't got no money. Let's just clean up the block then. Clean it up for the ones who buying it back. Let's all stay down. And, you know, that was pretty much, um, you know, what I wanted to get out to the youth. And then on the remix, I just wanted to get a brother from the West Coast, another brother from the East Coast. A brother from Texas, Slim Thug, and really just show everybody just the unification. I love the idea of the unification and the movement in the movement, because there is we've been having this conversations, particularly in sports, um, especially with Colin Kaepernick. His method has changed, but the message is still the same. And if your message is you're trying to let everybody know we got to buy back the block, we got to invest in our communities. What is it about our communities? And I'm talking about the black communities where we have such a hard time understanding that that is what the sole purpose is. In order for us to get out of the situation that we're in, how do we advance? Why is it so difficult to get that message across, especially to young kids? A lot of times these young kids don't even know what it is to have finances. So before we could buy the block back, we have to um, a lot of these kids don't even know what it feel like to, you know, live, you know, with everything taken care of, you know, so. First and foremost, just becoming successful is one thing. But I want to plant the seed in their minds now that it's not just about how much money you got or how nice your home is. You can get involved right now without any money. You a boss. We got to work our way up to the money, but the money going to come if you working like a boss. And so it's just different things. And, you know, uh, when I see a lot of different kids where I go, you know, I was just over in Gabarone. Uh, two or three months ago, and I remember I had my driver, and you know, I ran into a pack of kids, and I gave him a couple dollars, and um, he was like, "Wow!" The driver was like, "Wow!" You know, they, uh, you know, they never seen a hundred dollar bill before. Mm-hmm. I say, I say, you think so? He said, "I know so." He said, "They never seen that." He said, "They mother gonna take that." Go buy food, clothes, this, that, and he and the list went on. And I say, hold on, hold on, hold on. So I say, so what you think they eat now? And, and what he told me was what they eat in that area we was in was cow intestine. Mm. And I was just like, yo, you mean these kids could get online? They could get on the internet and watch us live, watch me ride in Rolls Royces and this and that, and and and, and turn around and eat cow intestine. Wow. So if that's the case, we got to make sure we let them know as well, you're a king too. 
that you and I started out the same way you did. You know what I'm saying? I had them same hurdles. I had them same obstacles. It took me 15 years. For so many kids that are in the hood, their only way to to to, to live a different life or or to get out of the hood is playing sports. It's it's really a, a vehicle for them to become bosses, if you will. Um, how do you see that perception changing and where people not only play the sport, but they own the team? And then I don't want to necessarily own the team. I want to do more. I want to create more teams. I think I think that's that's the beginning of of the natural conversations that that that's going to commence because in the black community where I'm from, our football coaches, my personal football coach, he is the unsung hero in my life. I just spoke to a, a book writer by the name of Maurice Garland two or three days ago and told him I wanted him to write an autobiography on my high school football coach, Walt Frazier, because he was the father that not just only myself, 80% of my football team didn't have. He the one that disciplined us when we got out of line and your mom couldn't handle it. He the one that stepped down on us. He the one that, you know, told us and, you know, helped paint that picture for the path you know, showed us how to work hard, made us respect him. He was extremely militant. And uh, a lot of my, my, my closest friends, you know, ended up in prison or ended up dead. And the ones that's here with me, all we talk about is the effect that our football coach had on us. So, you know, it's a lot of things that go into that when we talk about football and the coaching and as a youth, as, as you know, being a youngster, Seeing a way out when you're watching television and 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 you you see you have so much in common with them when you go to the park and you know um, I want to inspire the young the, the youth that that sports is great just make sure you're handling your business with it too make sure your school go hand in hand with it so when you get your money you can keep your money that's most definitely what I'm gonna preach. It's interesting you say that, and I love that the coach was the one that helped you because that is sometimes for so many black kids, that's that father figure, that's, that's that, that voice. That's, that's our unsung heroes in our community, the football coaches. I tell people this everywhere I go. If you got, if you, you run into a, a, a kid whose father wasn't there or father was in prison. You talk about being a boss and learning more. You had, and I'm going to make this transition, you actually spent some time with some bosses. I, I, I met Bob Kraft before, and I think he's a, he's a solid human. Uh, I know that he also was a father figure for a lot of those folks. Tell me about that relationship, how that came, came to be. Well, I met, uh, I was in the Hamptons for some event. I want to say it was an art. Um, it was, you know, giving back some type of, charity event and I was on the red carpet and I, I ran into Robert Kraft and we introduced him. Um, I didn't I didn't know who he was, you know, off face. Mm. And uh, we kind of gravitated, you know, he gravitated over towards me and once I introduced, he introduced himself. Oh, okay, what's up, big homie? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, now I see you. You know what I'm saying? I see you now. You know what I'm saying? Now, you know, it's it's a difference when, you know, you see him on television and when you just cruising through somewhere and he was like, Rick Ross, woo, woo, woo. you know, I love your music. And then I got some, some people in my family that, that really make me play your music. I'm like, yo, stop. <laughs> and he like, man, I got Rick Ross radio in my phone right now. This us on the red carpet. And I just, you know, I just told him like a ball, show me. Ah! And what did he do? He showed he pulled, you. He pulled his phone out. 
Rick Ross Radio right there. And I just looked at him with that. God. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and from then on, you know, of course, I, I had been a Patriots fan. Of course, I'm Miami Dolphins all day. But, you know, the Patriots always just, they always did their thing. Always love how Tom Brady moved. And, um, you know, it just went from there. So I done celebrated two different Super Bowl I wins. know. What happened? What happened at this last one? I heard you say that 2017 was better than 2015. What yeah, went 20, down? Well, what well went 20, down? 2015, soon as the game was over, you know, uh, Mr. Kraft, you know, he let me know his location. <laughs> I pulled up where he was at. He let me hold a trophy. I held it, you know, right after the game. You know, everybody I was with, we all took photos. I went and partied with the team. I performed. You know, just the whole nine yards. We had a good time. You know, I, I said the Patriots' names in a couple records. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when it came back around this, this 17, it was really, really, you know, I just, all my homies on the team, you know, everybody just showing love, you know, just good to see everybody back. And um, I went out and party with the grunt. And for the first time, <laughs> I threw up on stage. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You went hard like that? Yeah, I did. I wait, wait. so you can't out drink grunt? He got you? You know, it was just one of them things. Earlier that night, I had a, a listening event for my new album, Rather You Than Me. So I was sipping Bel Air Rosé. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Black some, bottles. Yeah, black bottles with some, you know, radio people. Then later on that night, two or three hours later, I pulled up on Grunknam, you know, at the casino or the, wherever the, the party was. And we just began partying. I began drinking. I just started jumping around. You know, I like I like to call it the white boy party. You right. Know, you, because why, why? how they party different from us? Because what is the jump? Why they got to jump when they party? You know, that's just a part of, I believe, the rock and roll culture. Oh, the okay. Axl Rose. Yeah. And so <laughs> I, was on my, I wasn't on my rap, my rap vibe that night. I went into full rock and roll. <laughs> I went into full rock and roll. And I stopped drinking, um, I want to say tequila, and it pretty much went downhill from there. Okay, wait a second. So you went on your, well, so with the rappers, it's the black bottles and the dark liquor, and the white boy uh, rock out is is tequila. Yeah, you know, you know, it's just, you know, and white boys go hard. Hard. You got to go hard. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they go hard. You know, but 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 it's so fun. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, yo, it's like, you know, it's so fun. So you in the moment, you having fun. And, it, you know, I'm happy for my friends who just won another Super Bowl. So it's like, I'm happy. I'm genuinely happy for you. So I'm celebrating as well. You know what I mean? I'm happy for my homies. And I think I just went too far and I threw up a few times. And Yeah, and that was that. Yeah. I, 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 I adore you so much. They're giving me a hard rap. You made me laugh extremely hard right here. And I appreciate you telling me how it went, how it went down. I'm going to have to do, I hung out with Gronk and he said that he doesn't like to tell everybody how he gets down. He says it's top secret because only, only real G's can do it. So clearly you're a real G. Oh, and the Gronk is most definitely a certified G. <laughs> All right. Uh, last but not least, even though you didn't answer this question, who won, Remy Ma or Nicki Minaj? It's it's like I, you know, I wanna I wanna see what what transpires on Nicki's side. Well, if, if if responding, if not responding is a response, and Remy Remy was the aggressor. This the game. You gotta you gotta most definitely put your heat out. And I and I, I most definitely thought Nicki would have responded. I, I thought I, I thought she would have. So you're saying Remy won for now? Till of we course. To yes. see part two. I yeah, without a, without a doubt. All right, March 17th, Rather You Than Me, ninth R- album. Ninth album. Congratulations. You a boss for real. I appreciate you.
Thank you for having me. All right, y'all. So that was Rick Ross. He can't go hard like the white boys. It's a it's a jump up and down thing that he just can't do. He wasn't doing his his black bottle and dark liquor thing. It was a jump up and down, and he, he just went too hard. <laughs> On the other side of the break, uh, we're going to talk about the Laker drama. I'm, I'm laughing, but it's not funny. What's next for the organization? So by now we all know that uh, the Lakers are a mess. I thought I'd never say that. That's that's a real admission for me. The Lakers are a mess. Let me let that settle in. I've lived in denial far too long. I thought, honestly, with the addition of Magic Johnson, that things would be better. That Jim, the brother, would quietly go into the night and accept the fact that he did not do well with this billion-dollar franchise. And that... Good times are around the corner. But little did I know that Jim and Johnny, the brothers of Jeannie, were planning some sort of coup, an attempt to take over. Friday, when this news broke, I just sat there with my mouth open because I'm like, this is disgusting. This is a real life soap opera. It's disgusting. And I think it's disgusting. That's all I kept saying. It's disgusting. Now, there are many different takes on this. My take is it's clear that Jim wasn't doing a good job, self-imposed time to do well, then you leave and allow someone else to come in. It's just that simple. But then I'm hearing from others, well, Jeannie should have waited to the end of the year. She should have, she shouldn't have done it at the beginning of the year. And Magic shouldn't have came in and, you know, when he was giving interviews, let people know that he wanted to take over. They just went about it the wrong way. I'm sorry, Magic and Jeannie didn't go about it the wrong way. What the hell were people looking at? The organization is in shambles. When is the right time to get rid of someone who doesn't know what they're doing? When is the right time to continue to let mediocrity be the order of the day? There is no there's no acceptance for that. The brand is excellence. You want to remain excellent. I can't stand lazy people. I can't stand folks that are okay with being stupid. I can't stand people that continue to make excuses. This is my business. This is my brand. This is what I represent. Get the hell out. There's no right time for that bull. And I get angry because imagine being who Jeannie is. I've said it before. She had to get rid of her man. Then she had to turn around and do something that I'm sure she didn't want to do. But she didn't have a choice. And so now your your brother, and that's air quotes, your brothers are trying to coo, trying to say that you shouldn't be in charge of the business. And And believe it or not, I think they knew they couldn't get far with trying to take over the Lakers. I think they just were just like, you. To me, that's the most disrespectful thing you can ever do. Dr. Buss has to be turning in his grave right now to see what they're doing. It's a joke. It is a joke. Anybody who has any NBA history should know that this organization, along with the Celtics, are one or two of the most storied organizations in NBA history. So you're trying to tell me that now they're fighting over who's the owner? Over stupid And I'm cursing because I'm irritated because it doesn't make any sense. Now, as we move forward, I've been told that Magic won't be giving as many interviews. He won't be doing the interviews that says, I want to take over. I want to be the boss. From now on, everything is really tight lip. It's really closed. No one's going to say this. No one's going to say that. I can't even imagine how anybody would ever want to come to this organization. 
The thoughts of me getting Russell Westbrook. The, this is a fan speaking. The thoughts of maybe Carmelo Anthony coming here. The thought of a free agent coming here doesn't look as if that's going to happen in any anytime soon, in the near future. They can't even get along. It's disgusting. So we wonder why what was once this the civic treasure has literally torpedoed into the laughing stock of the league. Look at it. You got this in-house fighting. It's unbelievable. And I'm sorry. I'm not I'm not with that crew that says Jim and Jeannie went about it the wrong way. And I look at my boy Adam, because Adam had hit me with that. Adam hit me with that earlier today. You know, she waited to the end of the year. Adam, I don't why was she supposed to wait? Well, no, you avoid any kind of drama during like the, this is a young team that's just trying to get through the end of a really bad season. So what happens at the end of the year as opposed to what happens now? Well, at the end of the year, your exit interviews are done. Players are often think you restructure during the off season. So the transition's a little bit smoother and you don't create all this public drama. You don't believe that she did this for a reason? Did- oh, no, I totally believe she did this for a reason. And it's and it's totally her call to make and she should stand by it. I'm just my thought is usually with these things, it's better. I would imagine it's better waiting till, you know, things have calmed down. So not everybody can make a big deal out of it. You know, I don't understand because here's my thought. If 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 she's in charge of the business and they're in charge of the basketball, but I'm sorry, the business is basketball. So I'm in charge of it all. If I'm Jeannie, the business is basketball. Well, no, and you're right about that. You can't operate in silos. You, you need to work side by side. As partners, one has to benefit the other. And and as as rumor has it, they tried to go after Boogie Cousins, didn't let her know, doing some backdoor deals, didn't keep her involved. She asked to be involved. She has, to me, in terms of what she said about him and her brother and what she's always promised she would do, she has been nothing but professional and appropriate without professionally ethering her brother until she had to. He really pushed. I mean, I can't even tell you. He made her believe they were about to hire Phil. And then they was like, never mind, we're going to get Dan Tony. I'm going to get the complete opposite of what we should be doing with the organization. To me, he has been, I mean, he's been stabbing her in the back for the longest. And she's been low-key taking it and being professional. And everyone knows how they feel about Jim. Jim's Jim's ego is out of control, Adam. Like he, he's like, I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do. It's un- Are you not shocked by this? Not shocked because, you know, I, I uh, well, you know, putting all my cards on the table, I... I, I work on the games for the radio side, so I'm kind of in it, so to speak. I think the real issue is we don't really know who or what Jim Buss is. Mm. He never really talked publicly about anything. He just kind of sat back and tried to do his job, and, you know, he didn't create his own narrative. I really think that's the issue here. Jeannie was out there trying to tell fans, hey, we're doing this the right way, but Jim never said anything, and so all the fans put all their ire on Jim because they don't know where else to put it because he's not saying anything. You're right. He never did create his own narrative. But I will tell you this. You already know what people thought about him when Dr. Buss was alive. He didn't care. He showed very little interest. It was a family business going back to the privilege that I can't stand that he took for granted. Listen, I, I wish my family had a business and they handed it down to me and I'd had the keys to the castle to create generational freedom generational fortune to to pass something along to my kids 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 privilege is
Like you're running around here. You have this at your fingertips and you truly don't appreciate it. I can't stand that. And it annoys me. And yet we watch him tear down this franchise and he's still trying to go back and get it because his ego is involved. There was no right time. It's like it's like a breakup. It's like, I don't know, going to the doctor, having kids. There's no right time. You just want to rip the Band-Aid off. Get it done. Get it done. There's no right time. It's never going to be in order. Um, I'm sorry I was cursing. I'm angry. Make I'm, my job so much harder. I know. You're going to have to bleep the entire freaking show. I'm sorry. I was Because I, I'm, I'm frustrated because I really honestly don't think that, and I'm not exaggerating, I really don't think that, that we will see a turnaround under magic for quite some time. Not if Jim and Johnny still have their their tentacles, their 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 fingers in the pot in some form or fashion. This is about to be a power struggle, much like we've seen with the Dodgers. Remember the courts? You remember that? All right, folks. I'm done complaining. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I know you probably don't believe this, but some people still don't get podcasts. Why they're special, how to listen, why people listen. Well, you can help change that with a click. Right now, think of someone you care about and say, download Be Honest. That's just an example. What podcast would they really love? Be Honest, perhaps. Got it? Now do it. Hit the share button on the bottom left of your screen. If they don't know how to listen, offer to show them how. Tell us what you shared with the hashtag tripod. Again, I'll give it to you again. T-R-Y pod. Get it? Tripod. So Be Honest is the podcast. Uh, Pass that along. That's the only one you really need to try, if I'm being honest. Uh, Thank you for listening to this edition of Be Honest. Sorry for all the curse words and the bleeping. I'm just angry. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Be Honest with Carrie Champion. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash PodCenter.